Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bike Walk Wichita podcast. This is Kim Newfeld, the Executive Director of Bike Walk Wichita, and I'm recording today's episode at our new headquarters downtown. Thank you for tuning in as we talk all things Bike Walk. Well, I am definitely excited for the holiday season, and a lot of our people, though, are out traveling and having fun, meeting with family and and friends. So today I am recording the episode by myself and am looking forward to several of our upcoming uh, holiday events that are quite famous and popular. So first of all, you want to make sure you get on your calendar December 10th is our Christmas Lights Walk, and that will be from 5 to 7 p.m. at Watermark Books parking lot. And basically, we will have a walk leaving every 15 minutes. Uh, Invite your friends, your family, layer up, and come on out for a, a nice active walk. Then the Sunday following is December 11th, and that is, of course, our most popular event of the year, the uh, annual Christmas Lights Ride Through College Hill. So we'll be starting again at the same place, Watermark Books, at 6 p.m. Make sure you light up yourself, uh, layer up with some fun costumes or or to uh, help spread some cheer, and uh, make sure you uh, invite all your family and friends to join us for that uh, great event. Those really uh, refill my spirit every year, and they're such a good time. Hopefully, weather will cooperate as long as it is dry out. We plan uh, to walk or roll, so hope you can join us. Well, I do have one exciting announcement before we jump into our program today, and that is that I was appointed to the Old Town Association Board to represent Bike Walk Wichita's interests and mission. So we are super excited to have moved in, you know, to the Old Town area and are excited to work with more of the organizations that we've worked with for years, but in a a new capacity. And uh, I will do my best. If you have ideas for things you would like, improvements you would like to see in Old Town, just let me know and I will pass those along. Since it is the end of the year, I would be remiss if I didn't look forward a bit to, to our future, to 2023. And I'm really hoping you will help us set our pace uh, for 2023. Uh, your financial donations and volunteer support Keep us moving forward on our bike ped efforts, including, you know, transforming city streets and expanding our bike ped network. We are making really big plans for 2023 and uh, really planning to pick up the pace at our new property here. I think there's quite a few new opportunities um, that we're really excited about. So if you can donate, please consider a tax deductible donation to Bike Walk Wichita. You can easily make those online through our capital campaign, which helps us establish our new headquarters here and also then through our Members Plus program. And that really helps us ramp up our programming, our outreach, and our advocacy. So you can find both of those links right on our website, or you can drop by headquarters anytime. In addition, of course, our recycle shop and outreach relies on donated bikes, parts, and gear. So if you have any extra bikes or parts, please consider donating them to get someone else rolling. The recycled bikes really do change lives, and it's really great to provide those bike smiles, whether it's to kiddos or uh, to an adult needing transportation. And of course, as a resident-led organization, our volunteers are the lifeblood of our organization. 
If you are interested in volunteering or sharing, you know, your expertise, we would love to have you. You can find many of our volunteer opportunities on our website or feel free to come in during uh, recycle shop hours and uh, chat with one of us. If you are interested in volunteering for, you know, a special project that you have in mind or during other hours when we're not usually open, we can definitely help make that happen. So please just reach out to Amy or myself and uh, we will connect. I just want to, again, say thank you and how much our residents, our local businesses and organizations that support our mission, you know, how much they truly are greatly appreciated. We really appreciate everything uh, that you do to help move us forward. So thank you. Today, I'm interviewing Aaron Henning, Interim Assistant Director of Public Works and Utilities with the City of Wichita. Hello, Aaron. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your role with the city? I was born and raised in Wichita, and I had the opportunity to join the city straight out of college just over 22 years ago now. Wow. Wow. Well, you don't look that old. It's gone by fast. Well, thank you. (laughs) Not sure that's true. I appreciate that. Uh, Over the years, I've had the opportunity to to be involved in a variety of things with the public works and then the public works and utilities. Uh, There was a reorganization there during my tenure, so it's changed a bit over the years. And also being involved on the design and project development side of things for a period of time. In uh, 2007, I had the opportunity to switch gears quite a bit and uh, become the, join the street maintenance division as the assistant maintenance uh, engineer. And then, uh, and then from there, a few years later, I transitioned into the, into the division manager role, and I've been in that role for about eleven years now. Okay. And then, most recently, over in fact, just the last few weeks, there was an opportunity to temporarily fill a vacancy in in the assistant uh, director position for public works and utilities. So I'll be doing that on an interim basis uh, for a little while, and that will allow me to stay engaged with street maintenance, but then also interact with the department's fleet facilities and portions of its environmental health divisions. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you very Uh, much. Well-deserved. I know you have been in this role for quite a while, and um, I think you have a really good crew and team. Uh, We like to work uh, with you and your staff. It's it's always a pleasure. So. Thank you. We do have a great group of staff here. You do. Really amazing folks. Yes. And I will say that you do have some open positions probably. So if anyone's interested in working for the public works and utilities, you should definitely check that out online at the city's website. Absolutely. <laughs> so what has been your experience with walking and, and biking and, and transit uh, kind of where in your neighborhood or in Wichita? Sure. So, well, if I could go back a number of years, I uh, grew up actually in the Country Acres neighborhood oh, okay, near Northwest High School. I don't know if it's true or not, but I feel like it was maybe during the BMX golden age, possibly, because (laughs) my brother and I, we were obsessed with BMX and freestyle bikes. And at the time, there was a a bicycle shop by West Acres Bowling Alley. It was called Scott's Bicycle Shop, I believe. I have seen stickers on the bikes that get donated, and I always wondered where Scott's, I wondered where that was. Sure. Okay. Yeah, so we spent a great deal of time there, and if we weren't there or riding there, we were uh, usually making a trek on our bikes across to uh, near Central and West Link. There was a baseball card shop over there. It was 
I don't know, maybe roughly two miles away. We would go there probably two, three times a week. Uh, so lot, lots of biking growing up. We lived near uh, 13th and West. Uh, so we were able to take advantage of the uh, Sedgwick County Park quite frequently, yeah. biking and walking through yeah. there. We also had uh, opportunities to use the uh, the river path. And yeah. We do that quite a bit as well. So as the kids have gotten older and things have gotten busier, we have less opportunities to do that. But we do still get the chance to walk the neighborhood from time to time. Well, good. Um, I'm glad you solved that mystery now of where Scott's bikes. I wondered where and when that was kind of, yeah, we have, we've seen quite a few of those stickers come in. Yeah, the building is actually gone. Wow. Now, and this, I guess it would have been early to mid 80s. Okay, yeah. mystery solved. Well, before we get into some of uh, my questions, I'd like to give you the chance to talk about what you and the city um, are doing or, or have planned that really excites you the most. Uh, do you have kind of a an exciting project or anything? Sure. Right now. Well, yeah. I know you're super busy. Citywide, there's a lot to be excited <laughs> about, but uh, I thought I might highlight a couple of things that are kind of close to home for me uh, that we might not touch on otherwise. Okay. And uh, first, uh, here last month, the city council approved the 2023 Outsource Payment Preservation Program, and we're really excited about that. Its uh, budget is $12.8 million, which marks the largest uh, outsource preservation budget we've ever had. Mm -hmm. And it includes $300,000 in competitively awarded KDOT funds, which we're thrilled to have received. Uh, altogether, the program is going to touch about 360 lane miles of city streets. And uh, that's that's exactly five times the amount we touched way back in 2011. So we're touching wow. quite a few more streets with wow. these programs. Another thing we're excited about is the city council, Marin City Council recently approved uh, a new budget of $150,000 for regular third-party inspection of the city's overhead signal and sign structures. We did a pilot of that here a couple of years ago, and we were able to get through about 25% of the network, and we really want to keep doing that. Um, continued funding is going to support inspections on an approximately four-year cycle, and uh, it's going to better ensure the integrity and safety of those structures going forward. Nice. I'm glad you think of all these these things. You know, these are things I, I don't know that everyday residents that we necessarily think of that really do have a lot of maintenance and, and sure, stuff that need sure. to be done. So. Our, uh, in our signal electricians have always inspected those, okay. but more of a visual uh, you know, assessment. Right. These inspections will involve structural engineers, and they'll take a deeper dive okay. into those structures and, and help us identify anything that, you know, you might not be visible from the outside. Yeah. So we're excited about that, and we're hoping that the data that we get will eventually will eventually inform future decisions about, you know, how do we program for these replacements. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really important because as the city has grown over the last, you know, decade, two decades, uh, a lot of our intersections have probably been expanded now to the yeah you know to the point that they're going to be expanded. So we're going to be less and less able to rely on those types of projects to periodically replace that signal infrastructure. So they're probably going to be in place a lot longer, okay. and and we'll need to replace them eventually just due to their aging conditions. So. Yeah, I've no I hadn't heard about that project. And so and then more broadly and certainly beyond my 
purview. I'm really excited about the new water treatment plant and the other measures that are been, being taken to ensure that Wichita has a safe and adequate water supply going forward. Water is really easy to take it for granted. But as we've seen, it can become a huge issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not an unlimited resource, so we really have to protect it. And I'm proud of the steps that the city is taking to ensure that those resources are well preserved and that Wichita is going to be really well positioned in the future. Mm -hmm. I've heard from uh, council members that potholes are the topic they hear the most about from residents. Um, can you explain how street maintenance is, is funded and, and just kind of how that works? Sure. I think it's a mystery for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, I think potholes are the thing that we hear about the most yeah. as well. Uh, I think on average, we our crews respond to or or patch about 66,000 potholes each year. Mm. And amazingly, about 98% of those are ones that are identified by our staff and patched before they're ever reported to us. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. The division's operations probably consist of two categories, in-house operations and outsourced operations. The latter is done primarily through the outsourced payment preservation program that we talked about before. Then our in-house operations are further divided into three main sections. We have our pavement maintenance section, our pavement cleaning section, and our traffic uh, maintenance section. Okay. Each of those sections has its own budget, and each of those budgets is funded from gas tax revenues. Our uh, pavement maintenance section, like you said, is probably best known for pothole patching and repair, but it has numerous other responsibilities ranging from unpaved road and ditch grading to bike path repair. Uh, it's currently budgeted at $6.5 million and uh, 75 full-time positions. Our uh, street cleaning section is Probably, be, probably best known for its street sweeping yes. operations. We but it's the sweeper of the plane. Yeah. It's our favorite. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but they're also engaged in many other activities, uh, including graffiti removal citywide and uh, trash receptacle servicing in the Central Business District. That section is currently budgeted at $1.9 million and uh, 22 full-time positions. Finally, our traffic maintenance section is responsible for maintaining the city's vast inventory of traffic signs, traffic signals, and pavement markings. Uh, it's currently budgeted at $2.8 million and 20 full-time positions. It takes a lot to uh, maintain a city. The it size really is, I mean, we, I know we've had conversations just about how spread out Wichita is, aka more roads, more miles uh, that you have to maintain and is this enough staff to actually get all that done, or are you always kind of behind the eight ball, or or how is it working? I mean, is it well? I mean, yeah, I mean, resources are limited, that's for sure, and that's that's always a challenge. Mm -hmm. But we're we're doing the best that we can with what we have. It is a lot of ground to cover. It is, and I've been impressed. I I know I've used the uh, Access um, Wichita. Uh, to report, you know, potholes and, and some other issues and stuff, and they've been taken care of right away and have always appreciated that. So it seems like staff are really being responsive. Um, they do, they do. And that ha that is part of, you know, the way that staff has kind of adapted to, you know, those changes is over time, 
our in-house operations have become necessarily much more reactive mm -hmm. and much less proactive. Uh, we've had the, the, the good fortune, though, of having a lot of that programmatic uh, side made up on the outsourced side of things. And, the, you know, the city council has been very supportive over the years in, in making that happen. Well, it seems like it's it's working. If you travel outside of Wichita, uh, you quickly realize how how well we do have it here. Sure. Um, yeah. It's some of the streets in some of the other cities are, are pretty significantly worse than than what we have. So yeah, and the challenge is really nationwide. Mm -hmm. It really is. And we have really, you know, I'm assuming our conditions here, weather conditions play a lot in that with having hot summers, a really anticipated cold winter. And stuff. So I'm assuming that. It, yeah, I think really things impacts. are certainly more challenging in the Midwest because of that, and the particularly here the frequent freeze thaw cycles that we have. Yeah, it seems like some days we might have two or th two or three of those in one day. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds yeah, that's about right. Well, of course, you know, Bike Walk Wichita was excited to see the annual budget increase uh, for repainting the crosswalks that the uh, council recently approved. Uh, can you kind of explain that? that project to us? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're really excited about that project too. Over the years, I mean, we just talked about limited resources. So right. Over the years, that combined with expanding needs has created a situation in which our in-house staff is only able to remark about 5% of our crosswalks each year. So in order to bolster those efforts, increase that remarking frequency, and thereby improve walkability and safety, the city council recently approved $300,000 in annual contract services. Uh, the first such contract is actually already in place. Yeah, with, I saw that. Yeah, with traffic control services. That's using this year's augmented funds. Uh, and that, that'll probably be underway next spring or summer. And then the, uh, the, the initial focus of the project is going to be on crosswalks that are in proximity and serving schools. And then in you know future contracts will expand from there and eventually include even uh, major arterial intersection crosswalks, ideally. And of course, I'm assuming you'll also just be updating crosswalks and stuff just in your regular work that you're doing out on the streets? Yes, or... our in-house operations will continue. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's going to be important um, because we've we've already seen, you know, the the inflation and in prices is going, you know, could potentially quickly erode the impact that we're able to make on the contract side. So it's it's important that we continue those in-house operations. Right. Well, I'm definitely, uh, you know, excited to see, you know, how this can really help increase the walkability, like you said, because um, so many residents do rely on whether they're using, you know, mobility device or or whether they're simply walking uh, to uh, to or from somewhere, but you know, crashes have definitely gone up during COVID and uh, fatalities. We just had our 14th pedestrian fatality last week here in the city, um, just a couple blocks away from your office here. And so definitely very happy to see that the council and that you and staff are prioritizing uh, the safety. Yeah, and we definitely appreciate the Marin City Council's support. Mm -hmm. We're optimistic that it's going to make a big difference. How is the city's newer approach to street maintenance, uh, the OP3 project, working? Can you briefly kind of just describe what that is? Yeah, sure. I could probably talk about it for hours. I know I it's know a pretty, yeah, it is yeah. a pretty extensive. And and over the years, I mean, I've heard I've heard the you know acronym and everything, but 
I still don't, you know, I'm, I'm starting to understand it more, but it's yeah. taken me a couple of years. So yeah. So the, the OP3 stands for Outsource Payment Preservation Program. The outsourcing of major uh, street preservation and maintenance has been in place really, you know, for years. It was formerly known as our contract maintenance program. Well, it probably, it probably is good to have a sense, a better sense of the magnitude of the network and, and how we go about it uh, more generally before we talk about the changes yeah. that we've made recently to the OP3. And the city really does have a vast network of paved streets, and we've tried over the years to find a good way to convey that and, and, and illustrate that. And the best thing we've come up with probably is it's really, we have over 5,200 lane miles of wow. streets, and that's enough to pave, as the crow flies, a two-lane street from Los Angeles to New York City with just enough left in between to connect Wichita to it. <laughs> so it's, it's wow. really a, a lot, a lot of pavement. Um, in the two th around 2011, WSU did a study that uh, put the replacement value of the network at $1.6 billion, uh, adjusting for inflation that's probably more like $2 billion today. Um, you know, so it's it's a lot. It's that's, a lot. Yeah, that is a huge amount of miles to maintain. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, so in order to, to try to keep tabs on the network and, and, mm -hmm. and manage it, we actually have a position that's dedicated to going out and performing pavement condition assessments year round. And he's able to get through the entire network once about every 18 months. Oh, wow. So, so okay. we do keep those updated and, and we keep a, a close eye on, on what's happening, you know, throughout the network. So historically, prior to the changes that we've made, our program was very much based on those uh, pavement condition ratings. Mm -hmm. But about 10 to 12 years ago, we made a concerted effort to kind of change the way that we approach that fundamentally. Uh, we had noticed some issues with the pavement condition index itself. And, and the pavement condition index is, is a rating that's derived by uh, evaluating certain distresses mm -hmm. and then deducting it from a theoretically perfect score of 100. So okay. a PCI goes from 0 to 100 with 100 being a, a street in perfect condition. Okay. So those ratings in the past were heavily relied upon to uh, program uh, streets for outsourced maintenance. The way that that was, the PCI was lacking really or, or a problem was it tended to change the focus or direct the focus onto the streets that are in the worst condition, right? Mm -hmm. What we found, what we found and what residents found as well was the, you know, using that approach, the, the condition of the streets were degrading over time. Mm -hmm. And that, that really came to a head here about 10 or 12 years ago. And uh, we started looking at, you know, how do, how do we go about improving that given the resources we have are we, you know, how do we know that we're doing things the best way? How will we know that we're doing the best way? And so we made a few changes. One was to introduce uh, more uh, financial-based measures to our evaluations. So they were 
less subjective, more objective. We started looking at things in terms of remaining service life mm -hmm. and asset value. Mm -hmm. Well, first we looked for a third party uh, program that could help us, you know, compare uh, many different strategies and, um, and approaches uh, and combinations of those and combinations of different budgets over an extended period of time to see how those would perform after, say, a 40-year period. And then from those, be able to select the, the one that tended to optimize our end-of-period you know, end asset value and remaining service life and those factors. Well, there wasn't really anything available that would do that off the shelf. We looked at uh, possibly hiring someone to create that for us. That at the time was going to uh, be something, I, th I think we were talking about a licensing fee of like $70,000 a year. Yeah. Uh, so what we ultimately did was we ended up taking that on in-house and spent uh, quite a number of hours on nights mm -hmm. and weekends and developing this this model and so and we do have it now and and we were able to like i said compare many different kinds of strategies over a 40-year period and look at well, how do we optimize our end results right. over that time frame and so that's what we've been using going forward uh, we also early on back in 13 uh, 2012 2013 we did a lot of piloting of treatments that we had not used extensively before uh, in the city to see how they would work. And then we plugged those results in the model, ran it yeah. again, and, and tried to nice. tried to get the optimized approach. And what we found was uh, an approach that prioritizes preservation of good streets, that, that does the best over time because that's where you really maximize the returns on your investment. But we know going forward that that's not realistic. We can't just maintain the good roads in good condition and allow the balance to just mm -hmm. fall away. Uh, so we did modeling as well, where we compared different combinations of that top-down approach mm -hmm. along with a bottom-up approach to make sure we were getting the worst roads as well and keeping mm -hmm. them safely travelable. And where we ultimately ended up with was a, a city a 60-40 split over time served, it tended to produce the best, you know, the optimized results over a 40 year period. So going forward, we've made some modifications to that DST so that we can also use it to predict about when a given street in town might be prioritized for preservation or mitigation using those metrics. This is really impressive. I mean, I had no idea. Uh, you've done a really great job of explaining it. And I I remember being at city council several times. Oh, you know, I remember when it very first started and, and director Alan King, you know, talking to council about it and not quite understanding kind of this full scope of it, though. Sure. That sure. is impressive. Um, well, Alan, Alan does a great job. He does much better at explaining he, it than I do. No, this is great. And so um, you've been doing this now for just over a decade. And so you're seeing really good results from this new approach, and we are, we are, yeah, and 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 we've got uh, we've had some positive positive comments as well yeah. along the way. Of, co of course, yeah. we we still receive negative comments, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we we think it's making a difference. And over the last ten years, we've seen, I think, a thirty five percent 
increase in our asset value and a 21% increase in our remaining service life. I think we've had a lot to do with that, but probably the biggest boon to our, to our ongoing payment preservation has been the Marin City Council's support of mm -hmm. increased funds. Back in 2008 and in and, and years prior, we were at six and a half million dollars uh, per year in that program. And we're now, the, you know, next year's is 12.8. Right. And that is uh, the city council and mayor recently approved the, the adopted or they adopted the CIP for the next 10 years. And that has the, uh, the funding continuing to increase up to $16 million, I think, in 2030. Okay. So going forward, we're poised, hopefully, for even better results. That's great. Um, have you presented this model or approach at any uh, state or national conferences? It sounds pretty cool. Well, we've, been to, we've been to a few places, yes. Awesome. I, it's, it sounds pretty impressive. So, you know, we're heading into a winter. Can you kind of describe the Public Works and Utilities Department's response uh, to winter weather events and, and what we can kind of expect? I know people are predicting kind of a, a harder winter this year. So, Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, I think we've already experienced our first taste of yeah. winter this year. We've, had a, we've already had one activation where we're actually actively treating the roads. And then here today, I think we sounded like we might hit a record for the low high yeah. on this day, at least. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's too early in our <laughs> opinion. But uh, of course, our response operations are most visible during snow and ice, you know, during the winter season. Uh, but uh, our staff is engaged in planning and preparation really essentially year round. Those efforts include reviewing and updating snow routes, uh, restocking salt sand and other supplies, training staff to safely and efficiently operate snowplows, and performing regular maintenance on the snowplow fleet. The fleet currently consists of eight brine trucks, which are used for brine pretreatment when we can, okay. and over 60 dump trucks that can be equipped with plows and material spreaders. At present, we're very fortunate to be uh, just above our minimum staffing level. So we're not okay. expecting any delays due to that at this time. Uh, we have 156 uh, commercial driver li drivers licensed uh, plow operators that are coming from actually nine of the department's divisions. Mm -hmm. We're also uh, well positioned with nearly 6,000 tons of salt sand mix that's ready to go. And we have another about 17,500 tons of straight salt an emergency reserve that we can use to make an additional 35,000 tons of mix if we need it. Uh, when the winter weather does strike, we treat the streets by priority. We have, with the like we talked about, over 5,200 lane miles of streets. It's impossible really right. to effectively treat them all. So we focus on uh, about 1,500 lane miles of the city's major arterials and snow emergency routes first. And then our focus from there goes to about 300 lane miles of secondary arterials and residential school collector streets. And so can you do that like in one, like how long does it take you to, to hit those? Oh, it really, it really depends. Just... It's storm by storm. Every storm really is different. And, you know, every response is uh, tailored to that. 
And if the conditions are right, we and we're just treating, we can we'll usually make a full round in about eight to twelve hours. Okay. Uh, and then if we're you know if we're plowing, it usually takes us about you know twice that time or more, okay. depending on the amount of snow and the conditions. Wow, well, that's pretty good. Seems like a, a pretty quick response. It's not bad, and that's on average. So right. there's never any event where we do just that. But <laughs> I've uh, I've appreciated. Will they be on GPS map again? I saw. Yeah, we still we do still have that? a snowplow tracker. Good. Yes, it is. Okay. It is active and available on the website. Some of us like to follow along. <laughs> um. So then, are your staff just like on call for the whole winter, basically, or is it? Yeah, we. We do tend to be a lot more proactive in terms of that sort of thing than than we than we used to be, and a lot of that has to do with we have we have new equipment, new ways to do that. Uh, our brine is relatively new. I mean, it's been around for a while now, but but it does allow us to get out ahead of certain events if we can. Right. If it's uh, not raining, I know. Yeah. It's always yeah. an issue. Yeah, we don't we don't want to do it if rains in the forecast because we feel like that's just gonna wash it off and, right. and it would be off or not. And it does take us about five days because we have, you know, we just have the eight trucks that can do that. So it does take us about five days to get around everything. It's pretty rare that we have that kind of notice about something coming in and, and a forecast that, you know, we can be confident in and know that okay. it's going to go be all snow. But yeah. But when we do, we definitely like to take advantage of that. And then we also use brine while we're actively treating, uh, to pre-wet the salt sand material as it exits the spreader. And what that does is it keeps more of the material on the street and makes it more effective. When we do have an event that we're seeing coming up in the forecast, uh, we will plan around that and we will put uh, staff on standby at that time oftentimes. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a great deal of confidence and there's a short window, uh, we might go ahead and just schedule them to come in. But more often than not, we do put them on standby yeah. and then wait to see how conditions develop. When when they are activated, we're typically operating on 12-hour alternating shifts uh, from 12 p.m. to midnight, and then again from midnight to 12 p.m. So it is a, it's a pretty, can be a grueling operation for staff. Yeah. Um, you know, for the most part there, they, they, I don't know that I'd say that, that our folks generally like it necessarily. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but but I think most most everyone does see the benefit in exactly. it and enjoys providing that service, you know, for for their own families and for their fellow citizens. Well, we definitely appreciate it. I know um, and appreciate the staff, and because I'm sure those hours add up quickly and and stuff. So they certainly can. Yeah, appreciate that. As I mentioned earlier, um, I have appreciated the city's Access Wichita site, you know, that allows residents to report street path issues, uh, sidewalk issues, you know, graffiti, other uh, glass. I reported a couple different things and I have noticed a really quick response. How does that system actually work? Or can you kind of give us an idea of how that works? And is it working for staff? Does, is it helpful? Right. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's working well for you. Yes. That's that's really good to hear. I try not to overuse it. <laughs> See, it is. I think you've covered a lot about what Access <laughs> Wichita is. You know, it's a self-service portal that allows residents to, I, I think one thing that's lesser known about it is 
residents can actually use it to get information about city services, See. in addition to requesting services and reporting on uh, non-emergency issues like graffiti, missing street name signs, things like that. I had see, I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not comprehensive, but there are a lot of knowledge articles on there that are available. That if you're interested in in learning about, you know, how how street sweeping is programmed, for example, there is an article on that that, that gives you some information. Well, yeah. I'll have to open it up when I'm not out actually walking or biking. <laughs> Um, and look at that. Sure. So the way it works is uh, it can either independently serve as a, as a work order system for divisions that may not have one mm -hmm. already, or it can link to an existing work order system for divisions that already do. And by linking then when a request is submitted, it automatically generates a request in that work order system. It also triggers a, an email to designated staff in that division. It does have some limitations and it can be a bit of a double-edged sword at times. Um, you know, we, we rely on the people making the entries to pick the right, you know, category. And if it's not the right category, it, it will divert to the wrong division and the wrong uh, people will get the email and, and the work order. And so. I have stood there and struggled with what category to select. Sure, so. sure. So, yeah, and then, you know, many uh, reports are submitted anonymously. Uh, and that can that can create frustrations for staff when more details are needed, but mm -hmm. you can't get to the person. And then the uh, we ask that, you know, non, that emergency issues, we ask that only non-emergency issues be reported and that emergency issues be directed elsewhere because we don't have staff that are monitoring uh, that system 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, but we do occasionally have right. those types of issues being submitted that way, and that can be a frustration as well. But mm -hmm. overall, I think it's working fairly well for staff, and it's certainly helping to uh, minimize the time and improve efficiency by automatically populating those work requests. Good. That's I'm I'm really glad to hear um, that it's it's working out and that it is helping staff. I don't know, but do you also use it maybe to to kind of quantify how many uh, requests or or issues or anything like that, or is there any data collection off of it, or um, or is it solely just you know? Yeah, it can it can be used that way. Uh, I don't think you can get too granular in the mm -hmm. detail from. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not sure about that, but I know that they've pulled some things from that before. We usually have the ability to pull a lot uh, more detailed information from that work management system that it feeds into. It's it's just one thing, really right. one. Kind of one piece of picture or the full story. Yeah, it's really, so it's really just one input yeah, into right. the, our, our work management system. Right. And there are There's still, a lot of we stuff still receive phone calls and emails and things like that that also go in. So it's not necessarily a comprehensive collection mm -hmm. of those things. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, staff have been, it seems, very responsive uh, to anything reported. And so definitely appreciate that. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, is there anything that we have not discussed that you'd like to uh, address or, or share with our listeners? Well, you've already touched on it, but I did want to make, I guess, one more plug if I could. Yes. We are actually 33 in the street maintenance division. We're at, we actually have 
33 vacancies right now. Oh, wow. Out of the total of 117 possible. So it's about 28%. The hardest hit right now is our is our pavement maintenance section. It remains a very competitive labor market. And we, like many others, are struggling to fill those positions. So if you know of anyone interested mm-hmm. in starting a career with good pay, great benefits, and an exceptional organization, yes, yeah, I'd encourage them to visit the city's website and, and apply as soon as they can. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I just shared the uh, signal technician position on our Facebook page. Fantastic. Uh, and stuff, so. So absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a notoriously difficult one to fill. Is it? It's I, a, I it's, guess it's probably so specific. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that would be hard. So it, it, that is what makes. Yeah, it's very specific. So. Well, I can definitely vouch that this would be a great department to to work for. I think there's there's great leadership and just staff that really cares um, oh, yeah. about their jobs and, like you said, the service that they are providing. They always. Are 110 percent. So that's a great place to work, and we do have the absolute best people you could hope for. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you around. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Well, I knew that would be a great interview with Aaron Henning. He is always a delight to chat with, and always informative. I think every time our paths cross, I learn something new. So. Really appreciate Aaron taking the time to sit down with us and uh, to really explain how Public Works is keeping our streets in good condition and safe for us, uh, whether we're walking, biking, or driving. And again, if you see any issues or areas that need improvements, you can always submit those online via Wichita Access Wichita, which you can find the link right on their website at wichita.gov and uh, let them know. But again, truly appreciate Aaron's time today. That concludes our episode for December. And again, truly appreciate all that you do and hope that we see you out and about for some of our holiday events. And be sure to check back on our website, which our new website should be going live this month. But make sure to check in and uh, see all the new events that we will be adding for the upcoming year. We have lots of classes, talks, and walks and rides coming up. So we will see you soon. Bye.